0: You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. This is part two of my conversation with Sanjay Gubbi, author of Leopard Diaries: The Rosette in India. So, you think this leopard-human conflict can be, you know, at least reduced? Really? Though you're hopeful in the book, but still, you know, uh-huh. talk about that.
1: Yeah, it you know uh, one thing. Let me make it very clear is that it cannot be made zero. As long as we have species mm. which have um, uh, which are conflict prone, which compete for resources with people or people competing for space with uh, wildlife, we will have to, uh, you know uh, conflict. And conflict didn't start yesterday or day before yesterday. It started when mm. human beings started to um, settle down, started agriculture, and started to have livestock. Yeah. So it's yeah. a very old phenomenon. The only thing is we need to have conflict under tolerable limits. That's my catchword all the time. And I think it is possible if we did a few things on time, sometimes much ahead of time. You know, we need to think proactively. For example, if there is an area which has low tiger population or low elephant population. Conservation is all about increasing the population of a species in an area. So if you put efforts in increasing population of a species in an area, it can be wolves, it can be elephants, tigers, it can be sloth bear, it can be any other wildlife species. But we also need to start thinking, okay, when mm-hmm. the population increases, how do we manage conflict? How do we prepare people to face conflict? Mm-hmm. Do we? How do we prepare the forest personnel, uh, other people to, to respond to conflict situations? Or can we stop conflict? Can we... Develop or can we manage that area in, a, in such a manner that conflict will always be under tolerable limits? Because conflict is such a huge part of uh, wildlife conservation. If we do not bring solutions to conflict, we will lose all the support and uh, support people and political leaders are giving to wildlife conservation. That's extremely important. It will break cultural barriers. It will break religious barriers if we do not reduce conflict. Because for some people, they're losing their lives and livelihoods in conflict due to conflict. So we can't expect always that a farmer loses his crop to elephants, loses his livestock to leopards and still say, oh, I love elephants and I love leopards. That's not going to happen. Yeah, it's not going to happen. It's all great to sit in big cities and talk about these issues. But if Mm -hmm. you go and work in the field, you know, on a I mean, in in my perspective, for conflict for prone species like elephants, leopards, tigers, sloth bears, the first thing we need to do in this uh, era is to reduce conflict. That is the future that is going to be that is going to decide the future of these species in this country, actually. But it is certainly possible if we took the right mm. steps at the right time.
0: You know, you've also brought out the difference between um, urban attitudes and rural attitudes to to mm-hmm. animals. I mean, you yeah. know like how you say that you know people living in cities uh, are often armchair conservationists, and anyway mm-hmm. we only wander out there for our own entertainment, yeah. you know in a sense. Whereas these people are living with these animals and are exposed to them. So uh, I suppose it's a much more complicated feeling that they would have.
1: Absolutely. You know, uh, recently, last year, actually, it's also a part of the book. There was a small, I mean, there was an area in southern, south interior Karnataka called Tumku district. That's also my home district. (laughs) And there were six human deaths uh, due to leopards in a very short span of four months. Hmm. Including, you know, very heart wrenching scenes of a very young girl being picked up from the from the Porsche of the house in front of the grandparents. God. Yeah, yeah. That's the; those are the situations you end up at. Those situations, and you start thinking, how do we deal with these situations? One, you know, on mm-hmm. one side, I am looking at these grandparents and the parents, you know, wailing at the top of their uh, top of their voice, which is very, very natural. And on yeah, the other yeah. side, you are a wildlife conservationist and you are a wildlife biologist. How do you bring solutions? And in even in the peak of that kind yeah. of uh, heart wrenching situation, gut wrenching situation, one lady. You know, the minister was there that day, you know, trying to pacify mm-hmm. people, trying to bring in solutions. Uh, one lady, perhaps she was in a, a late 50s, early 60s. She came up and said a very, very heartwarming sentence. She said, sir, we had leopards all these years and they were only picking our, picking up our livestock. You know, she's not a rich lady. Mm-hmm. She's, a, she's like one of those people who l- survives on livestock. She came. It yeah. was all fine. But now they have started to pick up our children. Sir, we can't tolerate this anymore, she said for her losing mm-hmm. her livelihood was okay when she was losing her livestock yeah. yeah so you know these are very they are very magnanimously generous rural yeah. communities with la- wildlife mm-hmm. so we were discussing what to do and finally it was decided the leopard had to be put down you know you can't lose more yeah. human lives i i would also not yeah. agree with it at all and next yeah. day, and I saw an environmentalist who was standing and watching all this scene uh, uh under the shade of a tree. He didn't come mm-hmm. and he didn't intervene in the situation, neither did he try to uh, reason it out with villagers or with forest personnel how to deal with the situation and next mm-hmm. morning, he was all over the media criticizing that this decision is wrong, that the leopard should not be put down. How do they know it was the leopard killing these people? How do they can they identify the the exact leopard? All these kind of statements in the newspaper. These are these armchair conservationists who don't have any clue, and they will start a ruckus because they're big in social media. Mm. I'll tell you one of the biggest, pro- two of the biggest problem with wildlife human conflict today is CCTV's and social media.
0: Mm.
1: You know, once the the, the these species, uh, for example, leopards may always have been in an area and suddenly yes. somebody sees it on set uh, cctv and the 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 video goes viral and wow. then they start demanding oh the leopard has to be captured etc cetera, etc cetera. and mm-hmm. social media is abuzz with people who are on both sides you know mostly mm-hmm. who don't understand ground level situations yes So it's a a huge difference. And recently there was a a leopard in one of the apartment complexes in Bangalore. And we went to talk to them. It was using a very small part of their apartment complex. We had reasoned out all the safety measures. We were trying to explain how to avoid situations and the leopard would surely go away. And capturing the leopard was not a solution because another leopard would come and take its space. Yes. But these urban people who had not suffered even a paisa of loss from that leopard they Mm. were so fearsome about that leopard they were so fearsome about people who were trying to explain that there is a possibility of coexistence they wouldn't listen to anybody else but look at this old lady Mm. I was explaining about you know uh, a minute earlier she was so magnanimous she had lost her livestock but she was still okay she was only worried about the children and look at these urban people yeah, Nothing had gone wrong. It was just the leopard was there and they're in leopard habitats.
0: So yeah, there's, a exactly. huge, yeah.
1: Yeah, there, there's a huge difference in the way people, we are losing, the urban people are losing connect with nature, unfortunately. Nature comes in a very digitally packaged manner through television, through uh, OTTs, through WhatsApp messages. And they enjoy such nature, but they don't enjoy yes. real nature, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. As long as it's photogenic and away from us, I suppose.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, Manjula. I totally agree with you.
0: Yeah.
1: Safari is a big, big crowd drawing for urbanites, but you also need to see. Uh, see yes, we need to coexist, even if there are uh, bees in their colonies. Let's see how people handle bees in their in their apartment complexes. They don't tolerate it. Yes. yes. So monkeys, they don't tolerate uh, bonnet macaques, Yes. So we, we need to start saying, okay, we need to coexist. And there's some things which we also lose to have these uh, natural wonders in, around us. Yeah. And it's a very small yeah. loss uh, we bear actually as uh, people from urban areas.
0: Mm. Okay. You know, and this is remarkable coming from you because, uh, I mean, like I said earlier, you're famous for that leopard attack uh uh-huh. where you want i mean where you got into it's almost like when you describe it it's almost like you grappled <laughs> with the leopard and you know that was a very fascinating chapter also and what exactly did you think like you describe it in the book but for the listeners what exactly were you thinking when this when you were like you and the leopard were like i don't know hand to hand almost
1: yeah. yeah i mean um First was the first incidence where, I mean, the first minute when it was very close to me. Hmm. I wanted to check where the leopard was and uh, I was on the top of a, a metal gate.
0: Just one minute. One minute. I found it very fascinating that you said that the leopard had very good breath. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike the other were leopard's breath that you smelled, <laughs> which is bad, which <laughs> is a very funny bit in this tense moment. <laughs> go ahead, yeah, go it on. was
1: very close to my, you know, my nose and my mouth. Its mouth was like... Not even a millimeter away from my mouth. So you're, ob- you know, obviously you're forced to breathe it, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> and he didn't,
1: he didn't have any bad breath at all. Imagine that with humans. <laughs> and imagine this leopard doesn't, you know, brush. It doesn't go through any annual uh, dental health checks, and it didn't have any kind of bad breath at all. So I was very appreciative of that animal actually. <laughs> and it's and, and the eyes if to see a leopard's wild leopard's eye at such close contact, I'll tell you I would recommend it to anybody. It's just mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic and fascinating. Those you know, honey, uh, honey colored eyes and greenish at some point of time, depending upon in which direction the light is falling on it. It's absolutely mesmerizing. I would, I would actually recommend it to anybody (laughs) who is interested about nature and love cats. Yeah.
0: So you were thinking what you were thinking at that point.
1: Um, I was extremely extraordinarily calm I'm not a very calm mm. person uh, by nature but that day I was extraordinarily calm because mm. for some reason I thought things would not go right that day mm. so that calmness helped me a lot you know to to think very quickly to think what to how to re- react and respond and uh, but it was also uh, I had the advantage that I knew the ecology of the animal that I knew the behavior of the animal I knew mm. it was not going to it was only stressed. Hmm. So when I was lying down and it was actually cracking my bones, my right arm bones, I knew hmm. that I had to fight back, and that was the hmm. only way to escape from that animal. That that at that particular point of time, so hmm. all I did was I had to take all my energy, fight the animal back by getting up, and all I did was actually push the leopard's neck with my left hand. I'm not even touched it with any kind of uh, any kind of uh, weapon or anything. I didn't even hit it hard, I had to just push the neck of the leopard, it let me go. Okay. You know, that, the animals are not dangerous. They were just stressed. That particular leopard mm-hmm. was only stressed mm-hmm. that day. Imagine if you're, if you're, a, if you're a, a human being and you're thrown in the midst of thousand leopards. Yeah. It must have been such a situation for that poor leopard, you know, thousands of mm-hmm. people and a lonely leopard in between.
0: Yes, very scary. Very scary for the leopard.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> very scary for the leopard.
1: So I think, you know, animals are very safe. They're not, I'm, I always use this example to say, look, animals are very uh, safe. Uh, it's only they, they they may hurt you only if they're stressed or uh, if they have no other go. But mm. I'll tell you very honestly, forests are one of the safest places on earth, even with all these big animals. Mm. They, it's much more safer than to drive perhaps on Delhi roads, or on Bangalore roads, or on Hyderabad roads, or on Chennai roads. Mm-hmm. I'll vouch for it. <laughs> I'll vouch for it. You know, I've never been hurt even a single time by any kind of animal in the forest in my 35 years of experience in the forest. Mm. Okay. You just need to be cautious. You need to understand the behavior of the animal. The cues they give, if you follow, follow that, that's good enough, actually.
0: Okay. Okay. And, you know, like when you when I was reading the book, I was thinking that, you know, insiders in conservation and ecology circles will mm-hmm. find a lot of gossip. Which <laughs> you know, I'm sure a lot of them must be reading the book and thinking, I wonder, I know who this is and I don't know who that is, because it comes out this whole thing about, you know, the um, intense competition and uh, uh, all sorts of like backstabbing comes across also. So talk about that.
1: See, we are all part of human society.
0: Hmm.
1: We are no angels, right? So (laughs) wildlife biologists, wildlife conservationists also have the same kind of feelings like um, a lot of other fields of society has. So especially with large cats in India, because the large cats grab a lot of public attention, media attention. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I have this doll, I don't want to let it go. It's like a small child holding on, catching on to a doll. And even if he or she has grown up, doesn't want to let it go because this doll brings in a lot of attention on that particular individual side. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of hegemony, especially on large cat, you know, name associated with large cat conservation. So that is one thing which I learned from my seniors, that Mm -hmm. I should let go, let things go to the younger generation. Only then the work we have done will continue otherwise it will die mm. with us if i want to be the only authority on tigers or on leopards or on elephants that particular science or that particular conservation model will die with me
0: that's true yeah if
1: you if you're so hegemonous, if you're so possessive about it that's the biggest thing i learned from my seniors i'm very thankful to them i don't want to commit the same mistake which they did mm. So I think it's it's very uh, very useful that you st- slowly start stepping back and let the younger people, younger generation take over, and then it continues. It rolls over then to the next generation. The models, the science we have developed, it will all continue. Otherwise, it will die with us, right? Yeah, that's an unfortunate thing, uh, you know, uh, in, in large, especially in large cat conservation in India. Hmm. I think we need to be magnanimous as the animals themselves are. Okay otherwise, you know for example tigers there is the the older male holds on to a territory the younger mm. male comes and dislodges the older male.
0: yeah,
1: that's a more violent way of giving out the territory.
0: <laughs> I like how you using this animal metaphor for human <laughs> conservationists and you know ecologists. <laughs> <laughs> so think
1: of elephant herds you know the matriarch passes all her knowledge to younger calves younger animals
0: hmm. she lives
1: in a herd she yeah. cares for young ones she cares for her the the younger ones of other 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 uh, uh, female elephants as well that's yeah. how wildlife conservation should be They should be like elephant herds actually
0: hmm. that's so the in, ideal. This is my
1: personal opinion <laughs> that's your ideal uh,
0: that's the ideal
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs>
0: Okay. okay. And another final uh, question. You know, I liked how you said different leopards have different personalities. It's almost like dogs. I didn't realize like when that story of Benki and that other um, uh, antarasante female. No?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The,
0: And you brought out that about how uh, personalities are so different. So let's talk about that. I never thought, you know, I didn't realize that. I mean, one thing you you think of dogs and cats in specific individuals, you know, animals who are close to you, but you never think of leopards as having personalities, and you brought that out.
1: Yes, um, I have worked with, I mean, I've seen a few leopards very close because. We were either radio call ring or we have got individual leopards, watch them or have seen them on camera traps year after year, year after year. Mm. So you start to understand some patterns on their behavior, though we would not have understood most part of it, but they all have true characters actually individually. You know, Benki was really fiery. You know, he was really, when we first, when I first saw him and I went to radio call him, he was like a fireball. Mm. Um he would not let anybody even walk closer to her to the cage he was inside. Mm. And um, when you when the animal when Benki was actually sedated and uh, he was lying down, he had that you know very unique feeling and vibe vibe coming out of him. You mm. know I really loved Benki there, and, and then the amount of information he gave us, um, mm. the way he was uh, behaving when he was radio collared and after that, it was so fascinating to see Benki. Mm. And unfortunately, you know, in the last two years we have not. Uh, got him back on our camera traps. Um, unfortunately, I think he has uh, been taken over, the, his territory has been taken over by a younger male uh, leopard and Pinky mm-hmm. may, may may not be existent anymore. Uh, oh. But he has taught me a lot of uh, new information about leopards. Similarly, the Antarsantay female was exactly opposite of Benki you know she was Mm. so calm very like a very poised looking animal actually (laughs) for a carnivore and a meat eater I would use this terminology poised looking animal (laughs) and and she wouldn't care you know she was also uh, an animal which was in largely human dominated area Mm. so I think she was very used to people Okay. So she was very tolerant of us. She would love, not care about us when we were walking around the the cage, and also when she was sedated, and when she was radio collared and and then later when she regained her uh, senses and walked away. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think I have seen any uh, much calmer animal and poised animal than <laughs> the Anoushanti female. <laughs> So you get to know all these characters and uh, they remain with you for a lifetime, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure Benki will remain with me as long as I'm alive and yes. it will be a big part, you know. In one of my one of my um, birthdays, my my colleagues brought a very beautiful cake and they mm-hmm. said, do you recognize what is it? And then um, on the... And I, I immediately recognized, I said, that's the sports of Benki that actually ah! printed... <laughs> The rosettes. (laughs) The rosettes on the cake. They had printed it, got it printed. I was so moved that day by my colleagues, you know. I was so happy. I could even recognize the rosettes on a cake, actually. (laughs) So it was such a big part of our lives, you know. And it continues to be a big part of my life, actually.
0: But why do you say that leper, you know, like you've mentioned, why leper translocation is not a total failure? Like people have been saying you shouldn't translocate them, but you, you have a different perspective on it. So I found that quite interesting. Why do you say that, you know, if you can talk about that?
1: Yeah, because some of the leopards that were translocated didn't actually return like the popular narrative says. The Some of the data we got from some of the radio-collared leopards and also some of the other leopards we got uh, gave a different perspective than the popular narrative. See, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that leopards should be translocated, but I think the data set we have is of very, very s- small number of individuals. Okay. I think there are other ways to do it, perhaps because the forest department normally captures the leopards and dumps it in some other place and walks away. Ah. But what happens if you did a soft release? Like, you know, allow the animal to accustom to the area by putting it in a large enclosure for a few months and then release it. We don't know what happens. Mm -hmm. Because this kind of translocations are a daily activity in Africa, actually. Oh, okay. And many times it has been tried even with tigers in India. See, uh, we, st- we get stuck with popular narratives, you know, especially if it, this popular narrative is, um, uh, is originated from, from an individual. Like, for example, I, uh, I have a popular narrative which people loves, love yeah. and the media loves. So I would like to stick to that popular narrative. And if there is a, a parallel perspective on it, we tend to really be very, very, um, uh, uh, very defensive about it. I think Mm -hmm. we need to give a chance and opportunity to a lot of other thinking and perspectives as well. Only Mm -hmm. then wildlife conservation has a larger chance of success. Otherwise, we are stuck with our narratives and we want to hold on to it like the doll I was talking to you about earlier.
0: Yes, yes. yes.
1: So I think wildlife, you know, the sample sizes we have are very, very small.
0: Mm.
1: So we need to be a bit more open to Experiments, we have to be a bit more open to uh, new thinkings and new results coming out, and only then you can actually come out with solutions, otherwise, look at all this science which is happening, and we have no solution to human wildlife conflict.
0: Yeah. Leopards
1: are dying on a daily basis, they are being poisoned, they have been torched in some yeah. areas. Elephants are killed, even though we we rever it as Ganesha. it's yeah. our natural heritage animal of the country. Why are elephants dying then if we had all these signs which says we have solutions. Yes. So I think uh, a parallel perspective is always important too and we need to be open about it. Okay.
0: Okay. And on that note, we'll end. Uh, Now this is for the uh, the listeners. Go out and get Leopard Diaries, The Rosette in India by Sanjay Gubbi. It's really a very interesting book and it teaches the reader a lot. You know, Sanjay, I mean, I learned a lot about leopards. I always wondered about them and they're beautiful to look at. And, you know, your book is... It comes from your experience. And there are very some funny parts also where I stopped and laughed out loud. I never thought I'd do that with a book by an ecologist, you know, in this way. So, (laughs) so, uh, thank you so much for for coming on the show.
1: Thank you, Anjula. Thank you so much.
0: Okay, bye. Bye.